Hello, I'm Alberto Salvato. Welcome to Crime Time, a Virginia criminal law podcast. I'm here with Anna Dvorak, Anthony Norse, and Ann Thayer. Enjoy the show. So here it is, legal disclaimer, because we are lawyers and we've got to write one. So if you are listening to this podcast, thank you. We sincerely hope you are listening to this podcast for its entertainment value and not with the intention of acquiring legal advice for any individual case or situation. I mean, come on, you wouldn't take advice from someone you have never met or spoken to directly, right? If you were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't listen to a podcast in hopes of a bandage somehow materializing over the internet and onto your 3D printer. Seeking actual legal advice can be just as important as a tourniquet. The hosts of this podcast are in no way intending to create an attorney-client relationship with any listener. Sorry, we are sure you all are great people, but we cannot stress enough how little we know of you and your case. And rather than risk an awkward moment, let us just remember we have never met. Nothing on this platform should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. We are just a group of friends with differing opinions and viewpoints, which we will try to explore through discussions of current events, law changes, and whatever else floats our fancy. Episode 11, The Five-Figure Discount. I don't know what it is, but you hear these stories all the time about really wealthy people, celebrities, or even just people who can't afford to buy things, just get themselves in a pickle and get charged or stopped exiting a door, a store without having actually paid for the item that they're trying to get. Uh, we like to call that the five-finger discount. Sometimes I suppose it can be accidental. Other times it's purposeful. Uh, but I mean, celebrity-wise, we've heard stories from Megan Fox, uh, allegedly uh, uh, Amy Schumer, I think it's made admission she used to do that. Winona Ryder back in the day. Many of you may not remember her from what I remember, Heather's. and But you, the younger crowd probably remember her or know her from Stranger Things, which is very popular on Netflix and awesome show. Uh, but I think it's something that we can have a really fun conversation with uh, in, uh, concerning petty larceny and grand larceny in Virginia. What do you all think? I think it's great. I, I think this is something that can get a lot of people in trouble, um, especially juveniles, or um, sometimes it's even you're with an older person in your family or a family friend. And I've, I think we've all had cases where people go in and maybe your client wasn't the one doing the taking, but they're hiding or standing in front of the person while they do it. Um, or sometimes the person will just give it to them to put in their bag or whatever. And so I think there's a lot of things we can talk about here about what constitutes concealment, concealing or um, theft and like what where the act actually starts. Like once you go past that register and you haven't paid, it's past the point of sales. So that gets people into trouble and where you're putting it and how you're doing it, um, whether you're a big part of it or you're not. Um, sometimes you can get looped into that if you're not taking action by just walking away. And even where there are registers, there's a lot of self-checkouts now. And I know a lot of people get into trouble either on purpose or inadvertently when they go to the self-checkout. Maybe they check out a lot of stuff and don't check out some stuff. Or they just pretend to scan stuff and they try to walk through the door. But I think with the self-checkout, it has added another layer to the whole uh, notion of concealing property and heading out of the store. And I have to say, like, the evidence that the stores have now, the videos, are so much better. When I first started practicing, which was a while ago, the videos we were getting were not on DVDs. They were not digital. They were, I'd say I got a lot of VHS. They were not high definition. (laughs) No, I got a lot of VHS tapes. And if you didn't get it, if they didn't get it in time, it got looped over. And they never got to keep the evidence. And if it was your client on the tape, it could have been anybody because the 
the footage was very grainy. Um, yeah, when and, I first started, it, it was like watching Minecraft, uh, you know, <laughs> Minecraft and that's character going inside and stealing things. That's if, if they had a video, that's right. Um, and it was just ridiculous uh, what they used to have and what they have now. They can keep a lot more of that information, a lot more of that data, a lot more of that video for an extended period of time. Well, and the stores have more dedicated people, too. So oh, yeah. In the past, I think they didn't necessarily have loss prevention officers that just dealt with those issues. Now, especially your bigger stores like Walmart, Target, Best Buy. JCPenney, um, all those. Yeah, all the, like the mall stores. Um, we get a lot of grocery store thefts. You know, I mean, there's a lot more video and things going on now, but there's also people that are just working loss prevention. That's their whole job. Job. like that's and all they're looking for and they love their jobs I and mean, they are really good at that uh, and I, they, I don't think a lot of people realize how much enforcement there is out there and they don't think there's going to be any proof uh, and they might tell you oh they're not going to be able to prove anything because nobody saw it and then you show them a video and they tell you well that could be a problem <laughs> Like I've had people put stakes in their pants and like walk out, you know, or you, or you hide something under the baby carriage or your, the, you know, your baby's a diaper bag or something like that's considered concealing. So if you're p- putting something over the item, even if you're not putting it in a bag or your pocket and things like that, you walk out without paying for it. That counts as well. I'm forever going to order my steaks well done after that. Well, by the way, <laughs> you shouldn't order way, a steak on that anyway. I do know of I do know a guy who put pork chops down his pants and I do know that those pork chops made it back on the case. So yeah, I, you know, to be sold by. Yes. Yes. Oh, are you serious? I'm not, I, you know, so I'm very uh, picky about where I buy meat and what grocery stores I buy meat at. It's a good point. Restitution doing that case. (laughs) <laughs> That's the thing. So Anna bring Anna and Tony bring up a good uh, point. So in many of the cases, all the cases that we actually have dealt with, they always ask, the prosecutor always asks if the property was recovered. And if it was recovered, they just put it right back on the rack. I guess it'd be the same for a pork chop, a steak. And yes, I am vomiting a little bit in my mouth because that is just foul if it was in somebody's <laughs> pants. And yes. I mean, there has to be some really? sort of help. You would have liked that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Not yeah. sure where, not sure where there's, that came from, but it's. Hilarious. So. I just had to say it. There's nothing like some, never mind. I'm not going to say it. I'll just. It's a fa- this is a family podcast. I'm not going to say it. Do you think they have uh, a sign? Uh, like the markets have a sign. Never been in somebody's pants over there. Like you this know. Is a- <laughs> this, the, so the real sign is if it's on discount for seventy five percent, don't buy that meat. Oh crap! I buy so much <laughs> of that. Meat. So. so. Let's get back to our larceny charges here. <laughs> now, in Virginia, we have now caught up with the 21st century and to be charged with a felony when it comes to stealing, um, they've raised the threshold, I think, to $1,000. From 200 to 500 now, it's 1000 so it's Right, it's 1000 now. Like Is it 1000 now or July 1st? It's actually up to 1000 It's 1000 now. Okay. It's 1000 uh, now. And also, or if it's a third offense or later for a misdemeanor, for a petty larceny, a third offense or more can then be charged as a felony as well. I, I think they just got rid of that. I think that's one of the things coming in July. Um, okay. To get rid of that? They get rid of the third, the, the second, if it's a third or subsequent petty larceny, it becomes a felony. 
So what we really needed you to know is act fast if you want that last petty larceny third. Otherwise, <laughs> or, or, or let's say you're charged with a misdemeanor for under that amount, but you bring some kind of tool, whether it's scissors or the thing. Oh, yeah. Flip those like like for clothing, like that can get the, t- the t- uh, ink tags the and tag. things off. Um, then you're looking at a felony for possession of burglary tools. That's how they charge it in Virginia. Yeah, and a burglarious tool could be anything. It could be like a like a bag specially lined with aluminum foil or even just a pair of scissors. Yeah. It can be, it can be any type of things. And, and, um, just, I mean, just having a bag, not even a lined bag, because you know, you use lined bags to go past the, now that doesn't mean you'll be convicted of that, but they will charge you with anything that you had on you that you could possibly use to possibly steal um, or in the trunk of your car. A, a weird situation. Especially when you're on video and they see you like tampering with the evidence to get it out. You know, <laughs> like I had, like people had a knife, they were sliding out the CDs from the package. You see it all in the video, you know, and it, they're going to catch you every single time when you're doing things like that. What about at grocery stores where you bring your own bag to shop and you're using that bag as a shopping cart as well. And so you end up putting stuff in the bag, which would normally be consistent with concealment. I've seen a lot of people though, shopping with those uh, reusable yep. bags and just going to the checkout and not being charged. Especially in the time of COVID, people don't want to share shopping carts and we share the, the actual hand carrying thing that uh, people use. So yeah, I, my wife walks around with a, with a bag and puts it in there and she walks right over to the cashier and, and gets it done. But I can see that opening the door to a lot of people being charged for concealment, uh, well, especially if there's a history. There's a lot of stores now that actually have signs saying, please do not use your reusable shopping bags to shop and that we will use them on checkout for you. Um, Because, you know, obviously if you're shopping with them, you know how you want your groceries or other things to be put in those bags so that things don't break and you're doing it your way. Um, But then you also realize they have to take them out to scan. So it really doesn't, it's still got to get scanned through, but I, I've definitely had situations in the past where anybody people have done things like put, you know, done that shop, put their stuff in reusable grocery bags, but wanted to get something that's on the outside of the grocery store. You guys know all, you know, you go, it's Halloween, it's, it's firewood season, it's pumpkins, it's mums, it's something they're on the outside of the store. Well, people will take their carts out past all points of sale, which is important for other reasons um, to pick out a pumpkin or mums or other things like that. Um, and then put them in the cart with the intention of going back in and paying for everything. Um, and stores have at times charged people, uh, with leaving the store in order to do that. I mean, I'm always it's something like, you may not be thinking about. You're just like, Oh, I wanted to grab these. I saw them on the way and let me grab them real quick. You push the cart pass that could easily become a larceny offense, even though you had no, um, intention whatsoever of not paying for whatever's in your cart. Yeah. yeah I'm super afraid of that. People will tell loss prevention, I was going to pay. Can't I just pay for it now? Uh, have cash. Is, yeah, there's a conversation that they always have and typically ends up with you being charged. Them using the statements against you. <laughs> Shut the front door. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which then leads us to a point. So when you are stopped um, for larceny, where do they usually take you? Uh, they have a little room. Uh, usually every store has got a room where they take you in and they start interrogating you or sometimes they start... I hear bells. Just hearing things. I, again, everybody else heard that too, right? All right. And then this, so, so they take you into a room uh, and they usually have you 
sign, uh, no trespass. They, they have you like, and this is just loss prevention before they even have the police show up. But the loss prevention officer will, will tell you, hey, we have you on video. You have to sign this. You can't come back to our store, yada, yada, yada. You end up making a whole bunch of different uh, admissions that are used against you in court. And then the police officer shows up and actually serves that no trespass order on you and gives you a nice little summons to go to court. Usually you don't get arrested, but you get a summons to appear. What do you guys think? Can loss prevention search you? Like when they take you back to that room? What do you guys think about that? Have you had cases where the they've been searched or their bags been searched? I generally, I think they wait for, unless you know, somebody voluntarily police. pulls it out. They're, they're like, do you, what did you take? Most people, for some reason, will just empty out their pockets and uh, include a whole bunch of things from other stores that they may have taken. But And oftentimes, uh, loss prevention won't tell you you're about to be charged. They'll say, you can't be taking stuff. We just want to trespass you. And they'll get you to admit to a bunch of stuff. And then the police show up. So don't write out statements. They like you to write out what you did a lot of times. And people think because you're giving the items back and they're giving you the no trespass that that'll be the end of it. But what they're doing is using that statement from the police come and they're going to be able to enter that into evidence to corroborate the fact that they have somebody that saw you take items that you didn't pay for. It's something that I, I, I want to, it's a little bit uh, change the subject, but something I want to point out is oftentimes when I do get a client, the store will come back with many other offense dates. Uh, and this goes back to the, the ability to store videos. And what some of them will do is recall uh, suspicious behavior in the past, mark that down. And then when they finally do get you or get that particular person, they'll review the other videos and, you know, see if you, you know, review it a little bit more closely and end up charging you with multiple offenses. Right. Cause sometimes they don't know who it is that's taking the stuff. Then they finally catch you and they might think that guy looks familiar. Find out from the video, this person has been here on two or three other dates in the past couple of weeks. And then they can tie it all together, like you're saying, based upon that digital video that they're saving now. And don't think walking around the, walking around the store for like five hours is going to deter them from videotaping. I have seen extremely long videos of the loss prevention following one particular person because they just have whatever hunch they have. And they follow, 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 follow until... Yep, uh, something is removed, a tag's removed, something's placed into a pocket. Don't think going into the dressing room is going to hide you. There's no videos inside the dressing room generally, but they have ways of uh, putting other loss preventions inside, uh, other loss prevention officers inside the, the, the dressing room. Did I say waiting room? The dressing room and actually. Uh, and I've listening. also seen where they send somebody in directly after you leave to search that dressing room to That's find right. out. Is there anything left behind here? Because this person walked in with a bunch of stuff. They walked out with nothing. And then they send somebody in to check the dressing room and there's nothing there. So another way you can be charged too is I'm sure we've all had people that worked at a store where they're taking funds out. They either do something weird with the gift cards or they don't, don't log in all the cash that came into that register at the time. Um, or they're letting their friends come through the line and get items and not charging them. And so embezzlement carries the same penalties for misdemeanors and felonies. Um, and you're in an even worse position when you come before the court then because you're in a place of trust with your employer. And when you're coming to court, it's not just the fact that you took something or stole, but now you're affecting the people that hired you as well. And it's a whole other element to the crime. And Get you into seen, much trouble. I think judges light up people who are charged with uh, embezzlement. It's uh, they they hate hate embezzlement cases. 
Right. I think they don't like theft in general, but when you start to steal from somebody who has trusted you with their uh, possessions or with the store money, that becomes a whole nother layer of uh, lack of trust. And I will say to you that I, as a, as a defense attorney, when I have an embezzlement case, um, if my client can get the money together, I do, I move, but you know, we don't have any other defenses. I do move heaven and earth to try to get that charge changed from embezzlement to a different charge. Even petty larceny, petty larceny looks better on your record than embezzlement. Embezzlement, you know, when you're looking for a job and you have an embezzlement on your record, it's just, okay, I can't trust you. Like your record just told me I can't trust you. Or right. you cannot be a cashier. You can't be anywhere. Um, you just limit yourself where uh, petty larceny, anything, trespass, disorderly conduct, um, those are all better. And, it, and it's, it's tough to negotiate. Usually you're trying to get money together. If there's restitution, usually you're trying um, to get community service together. Um, but you're doing, you're just moving heaven and earth to try to change the fact that there's an embezzlement. Now, sometimes... Um, the number is so big that that's just, you're really trying to figure out if you can get to that number so that the jail time goes down. Because I definitely think, as Alberto was saying, the judges look at embezzlement much different, much differently than they look at like a, a, somebody stealing from a store. Um, and they also take into account, account the circumstances of people who steal. You know, if someone is stealing and they don't, they're surviving or they don't have a lot of money, um, they're a client who qualifies in general for the public defender's office, you know, we're, they're struggling in other ways. There's a lot more baby formula or food like that or medicine versus you're just stealing clothes and electronics and things of that nature. It definitely is something to take into account. They definitely take in the facts and circumstances. Anytime um, they're, we're asking for leniency. Um, When you come from what it appears to them to be from a place where they, you would not have had to, worry about anything there's definitely less sympathy for people who steal like our celebrity theft thieves like there's a lot less sympathy for them um in the system when it comes to this however i do think when it's a petty larceny just in it it's a first time offense uh in most counties in northern virginia what are we seeing uh in cases where we don't have a defense but it is a petty larceny and they're they have no prior record what are we seeing um with uh results in, in general you're usually you're entitled to a deferred disposition to try to get it to a dismissal. Depends on the jurisdiction. It, yeah, then that's in Fairfax. Or sometimes Perhaps. if you've done a lot of things like community service, a shoplifting class, mental health evaluation, whatever is going on, showing what the circumstances were, you paid the restitution. Sometimes they'll get rid of it. Sometimes it might be serious enough that they won't get rid of it or do a deferred, but maybe they'll make it a trespassing or something that doesn't have a moral turpitude. Um, uh, I was in to it. one jurisdiction that had a deferred disposition, but it had a backup plan. If you failed on the deferred disposition, not only did you agree to a guilty finding, but you agree to a jail sentence, uh, which I suppose gives a very strong incentive to follow through with the diversion. Speaking of diversion, that, there are some jurisdictions that like jail on a first time petty larceny. Like, I think a lot of them have started to come away from that a little bit, but th- for a long time, there were counties that you got that petty larceny they wanted a, at least a day or two in jail i used to get that in prince william all the time with the yep. potomac mills out there they'd hate the fact that it was on potomac mills readily accessible from people out of state or out of you know other neighboring counties and the prosecutors there were like nah, don't come to my county do that i'm gonna 
I'm going to give you a day. Tyson's Corner gets a lot of people that come specifically from other states to that mall. Right. Which is crazy because they have the best security. Right? (laughs) So I think the number of... They should put them at the metro one out there. Now people just take the metro from wherever they are, get off of Tyson's, then they'll make a run for the metro when they're out. Now, just a quick segue into juvenile. And with petty larcenies and, and larcenies in general and juvenile, uh, we mentioned the word diversion in, in adult context. But what happens in general with a first-time offender in juvenile court? So depending on what it is, if you've never been in trouble before, instead of coming to court, a lot of times on your first offense, um, they're going to do what we call diversion, which is separate from the adult system. And you'll go through juvenile intake where you have to admit what you did. And then they'll give you some um, sanctions, like whether it's community service, an essay, whatever it is, could be anger management, it could be drug classes. It doesn't have to fit what you actually did when you deal with juveniles. And if you stay out of trouble, then it never comes to court. If you don't do what you're supposed to do or you get in trouble again, then they're going to bring that charge to court. Sometimes it doesn't make it through diversion with juvenile intake and they'll just do a petition and bring you to court. And then you could end up with a deferred finding like we do for adults for these and, and things like that but it all depends on the circumstances. If sometimes when you have co-defendants or it's a more serious felony or something like that, they bypass that juvenile intake diversion and you end up in court right away. Um, So these are all things that are going to be a case by case scenario, whether it's an officer that knows how to deal with the juvenile system, you know, whether they're being lazy sometimes because they don't want to go to juvenile intake and it's just easier to issue a ticket to come to court, you know? Um, So it all just depends. But I would say that it sounds like there are a lot more options for, as usual, for dis- dispositions in a juvenile case than there would be for an adult. There are. But what I would say, whether you're a juvenile or adult, is you can't always count on the fact that maybe you have sympathetic facts or that maybe they can't prove the case. Like when you're coming to court, like you're facing some pretty serious consequences. Nobody wants to hire someone um, or let you into a school or, you know, they're looking at those things about your character. And these are hard things to get rid of once they're on there. Now you may right. be eligible for expungement. It's a lot easier for a juvenile with expungement. I think it's going to become a little bit easier for adults in certain circumstances in Virginia, but you can't count on the fact that you have a sympathy element to it because you don't know you get the wrong judge, the wrong prosecutor, the, the wrong officer that just has everything tied up in a nice, neat little bow, um, they might not be giving you something better. And we haven't even touched on immigration consequences either. Uh, any conviction for a crime of moral turpitude, especially petty larceny or anything involving like any sort of a drug offense, uh, theft, lying, stealing, anything like that is going to have a negative consequence on your immigration status if you have a status. If you don't have a status, then it's going to have a negative consequence on your ability to get status of any kind. So rule number one, there's no such thing as a five-figure discount. Rule number two, if uh, something happens and you get charged, you better talk to an attorney. And I'll, I'll leave with this story. And it's a friend of mine. We'll just call him Schmalberto Schmalbato. Uh, once went to a Home Depot. Uh, and with that new system where you check yourself out, uh, checked everything out, didn't realize that one of the items was not checked or scanned uh, and just kept con- you know, kept doing everything and ultimately paid for all the items. Well, when this particular person went to the car, he was checking out the receipt and realized that it wasn't included. So he went back into the store <laughs> and said, look, I just need to pay this. I walked out. Apparently, I didn't do it. And they looked at me like I was some sort of a nut. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. But uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. My friend, Schmalberto, he went in there and... <laughs> 
He went in there and was like, look, I really didn't pay for this dollar fifty cent bolt that I got out of hardware. I apologize. I thought it was scanned, but it was not. And they laughed at me and ultimately took my money, which is what they should have done. I mean, his money. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll leave you with that. That's just, uh, it happens to people. Sometimes you're not intending to do something. I, I know uh, this is a real friend of mine. Uh, it was in the middle of a jury trial and had his mind just focused on that jury trial, went to a supermarket, had a shopping cart full of stuff and walked right past the cashier, went all the way to his car and realized when he got to his car that nothing was bagged and was like, holy crap, and went right back in the store and and they're just going to the cashier. Nobody knew anything. Nobody stopped him. And he paid for his stuff and, and uh, happy story at the end. So, um, but if he had gotten stopped, how, how was he going to explain that? It's crazy. And so I think the flip side of that, though, is even if you're not the one stealing, sometimes if you're with somebody who's stealing, you can be caught up in it as well. If they think somehow you're helping that person, uh, even if you're just uh, looking out or, uh, you know, doing something very insignificant, if you're in some way assisting or encouraging that other person, you could have trouble as well. Then sometimes they'll charge you with conspiracy on top of the fact that you were shoplifting, which is a whole other offense. If they think there was a plan to go into the place to take those items, then you're facing even more consequences. And and speaking of that, there's a wonderful statue called Larceny with Intent to Sell that they often charge if you buy if you take two or two or more of the same item, um, which is a much more serious offense than grand larceny. Um uh, and that's often what they would use. I know in the past to sort of jam you up where they drop that charge. I think it was a, there's a minimum on that charge. Um, and they would, you would have to plead to grand larceny. Um, and because there was a presumption or an inference in the statute that said, if you have two or more of these items, that it was presumed that you were, that you were, uh, you were, st- you were going to steal them with the intent to sell them. Uh, maybe you just liked 50 boxes of pressed white strips. I don't know. Maybe your teeth would be very, very white. But um, but you know, the bottom line is I think we all sort of made it clear that stealing is a bad idea or being charged with stealing anything, larcenies, uh, generally it is you need an attorney right away. Um don't talk to the loss prevention officer as far as you're concerned. They're just like the police. They don't have to read you Miranda. So it's not like if they don't read you Miranda, none of that counts. Um, it all counts. So just, you know, be smart. Don't steal. If you're accused of it, clam up and talk to a lawyer. Just remember, there is no five finger discount in Virginia. And if you engage in that kind of behavior, it's going to lead to more serious consequences. Don't try to be smart and say, I lost a finger for a finger discount. There's just no discount in Virginia. Yeah, don't, just, be, don't pull an Alberto. Don't pull an uh, uh, Alberto. Sorry, Alberto. <laughs> don't pull a Alberto. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Crime Time with Virginia Defense Attorneys. We hope you listen to our next episode. Woo!